On today's Locked on Jayhawks, we preview KU's game against the UCF Knights, the first Big 12 road game of the 2024 season. You are Locked on Jayhawks, your daily podcast on the Kansas Jayhawks, part of the Locked on Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm Derek Johnson. You can hear me as well Monday through Friday from 3 to 6 p.m. on KLWN in Lawrence with Rock Chalk Sports Talk. Thanks for making Locked on Jayhawks your first listen every day. You can find us anywhere you get your podcast, also on our YouTube page where you can like and subscribe to the show. On today's edition of the show, we're talking Kansas UCF, KU playing on the road against, dare I say, Central Florida, the formerly Golden Knights, now Knights, uh, taking down on the road for KU's first road game of the Big 12 season. First meeting with these two together as Big 12 opponents. We'll break down the game, UCF scouting report, top storylines of the game, matchups of the game, player watch, and Hawks the soar. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. These days, every new potential hire can feel like a high-stakes wager for your small business. That's why LinkedIn Jobs helps you find the right people for your team faster and for free. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. Terms and conditions apply. So Kansas uh, on the road against UCF. Uh, this is a Wednesday game, which you know you're used to seeing KU play on Big Monday and a lot of Tuesdays. Not a ton of Wednesday games uh, for KU basketball over the I don't know past couple of years. Feels like maybe there's one or two every year, something like that. Um, so for KU getting a Wednesday here, six o'clock playing at UCF and. Uh, for Kansas, you know, this is a game where you're trying to start hot on the season. You obviously had that close win against TCU. You look at this game being against a team who's one of the lower ranked teams in the Big 12. This is one you want to go out and kind of impose your will. Don't mess around with it. Just get out of there with a, you know, multiple possession win, right? Win the game by eight points, win the game by 10 points, whatever it is. Try not to sweat it out to the very end. You're going to have enough of those in the Big 12 like you had in the opener. Can you continue to do that moving into some of these games? This is the second Big 12 game of the year for both of these teams. And, you know, for UCF, it is uh, quite the rude awakening into the start of Big 12 play for them. Their schedule is pretty brutal. So they opened up Big 12 play on the road against Kansas State and fell 77 to 52 in Manhattan. Then they get Kansas at home. Then they get BYU at home, which BYU, you know, lost their opener to Cincinnati, but they're still ranked top 10 on Ken Palm. Then they're at Texas. Then they're at Houston. That is a uh, fun first four games to introduce you to the conference. Now for UCF, uh, they're just looking to bounce back in any way. And after falling down 21-7 early to Kansas State and losing that game by 25 points, a game where you know uh, they did not shoot it well from the floor, they did not shoot it well from three-point range, uh, Kansas State just dominated them thoroughly in the game, looking to bounce back, and boy, would this be a big bounce-back opportunity in your first Big 12 home game if you could upset Kansas. That would really feel like you arrived. Now, if you lose this game with that hard start to the start of the year, uh, in the conference and with how much you lost your first game, maybe the thought of now is like, okay, I don't know that this is an NCAA tournament team, but you have a chance to certainly grab some headlines if you get this win. For Kansas, it's just trying to keep on keeping on, especially with that importance of those first eight games, the difficult final 10 games of the Big 12 slate. This is obviously the first meeting between these two in Big 12 play. Uh, I'll be very interested to see what the travel is like for KU. Uh, and, and that's another storyline in this too. 
It's KU's first road conference game and KU's second real road game of the season. They've played neutral sites. They've played conference or uh, non-conference tournaments. They played at home. They played at the T-Mobile Center. But their only other true road game was at Indiana, and that was a game that they almost lost to Indiana. Now, Indiana, I think, is a better team than what UCF is, at least when you look at the talent and everything. But when you look at, like, Ken Palm, Indiana is actually ranked lower than UCF. UCF's 87th, and Ken Palm in uh, Indiana is 91st. Again, for my money, I think Indiana is the better team there, and Indiana has a tougher place to play than UCF. I mean, that's a really good crowd that comes into that one. They have more NBA talent, so when they are hyped up, the ceiling is higher for Indiana than UCF, but still, similar ranked teams, and you almost lost that game on the road. So what does that mean for this one? But with KU's crowd attendance, you know, do you have a lot of KU fans who make it out there because they're like, hey, this is a great excuse to get out of the cold weather, get into the warm weather in Florida, maybe visit Disneyland or something? I don't know, uh, but it's also further away, obviously not driving distance, not like KU has a huge alumni base or anything in the uh, Orlando area. So I'll be interested to see what KU's attendance is. I'll be interested to see UCF's home court because you know, how, how much does that or how good is their home court advantage, I guess, so to speak. And yeah, again, like KU, you know, did not have their best game in, in their first true road game. What's it going to be like here in Big 12 play? As far as UCF scouting report, they're nine and four on the season. They have played three games against teams who were ranked in the Ken Palm top 100. Uh, one was a 16 point loss at Miami. One was a two point loss against Ole Miss. And one was the most recent outing for them, the 25-point loss to Kansas State. Their best win previously, I mean, they don't have any, obviously, top 100 wins, so none of these are, are necessarily ones that uh, jump off the page. But they did earn a victory over Charlotte in overtime, and Charlotte just beat Florida Atlantic this past weekend. So, you know, that becomes an interesting victory for them. Uh, their only other top 200 wins besides Charlotte, South Dakota State, with uh, Zeke Mayo, shout out Lawrence High, Lion Legend, Zeke Mayo. 83-80 to 80 was the score of that one, so they won by three. They beat Lipscomb, who's ranked 146 on Ken Palm. They beat them by 15, but you know, outside of that, it's, it's a bunch of wins against teams in like 300s. As far as what they do well, this is a team that plays very fast. They play at a fast tempo. They have uh, an athletic team. They get up and down on the court. They've been a really strong offensive rebounding team. They're top 40 in the country in offensive rebounding rate. They get to the free throw line a decent amount, which you would expect if you're an athletic team, you're driving downhill, you're drawing fouls. Uh, overall defense has been something they've done really well at top 30 in the country defensively. So this is not a defense that you're going to get easy stuff from. And that is the worry here playing on the road against a team with a good defense that typically that could keep you in. It could make it a lower scoring game. And then maybe it's a five point game with two minutes to go. You know what happens over the final stretch of play. That's going to be the challenge for KU. But this is one of the best two point defenses in the country for UCF. Thanks to a top five block rate in the nation. So one of the best block shot blocking teams, one of the best two-point defensive teams, and that becomes a bit worrisome for a KU team that you know typically thrives and has to thrive on the inside because they don't have as many other ways of scoring, at least haven't to this point. Uh, UCF also forces a ton of turnovers. They are top 20 in the country in steal rate defensively and turnover rate defensively. We just saw KU have turnover problems against TCU. UCF gets a bunch of turnovers. And to wrap it all up, they've been a really strong defensive rebounding team. They're not giving you extra chances. I'd be surprised if KU was able to do what they did against TCU, where they grabbed half of their offensive rebounds. Even if you had a good offensive rebounding game against this UCF defensive rebounding team, 
you know, it's probably uh, not going to be much of an advantage for you. Now, as far as what UCF doesn't do well, overall offense has not been good for UCF. They rank outside of the top 180 in the country. So this has not been a good offense so far. Honestly, they're kind of similar to what Oklahoma State was the past two years when Oklahoma State had Musa Sise, where they had a really good shot blocker inside. They had a really good defense. They forced turnovers, but they couldn't score much offensively. That's kind of like what this team is, except, I don't know, uh, hopefully uh, playing at UCF isn't the same kind of house of horrors it's been for KU playing at Stillwater, though lately they've gotten some nice wins there. But overall, with that offense, they don't shoot it well from two. They don't shoot it well from three. They're even worse on free throw shooting. They turn it over a fair amount, and they're one of the worst teams in the country at avoiding getting the ball stolen from them. So opposing defenses get a lot of steals against them. Uh, When you look at the defense side of the ball, what they don't do well You know, it's mostly all positives for them. They've been a really good defense. But the one, I guess, slight bugaboo for them is with how aggressive they are and how aggressive they play and go for steals and blocks and everything. They do foul a lot, so they do send teams to the free throw line a good amount. So that is something to look out for. KU could have to shoot a lot of free throws in this game. As far as the personnel, their point guard, Darius Johnson, he's been strong. He's averaging almost 14 a game with two steals, three and a half assists. He's shooting 38% from three, so just a good all-around player. Shamari Allen gets about seven a game, uh, but he's kind of struggled shooting the ball. He backups, backs up the point and plays a lot of two guard. Their top player so far has been Jalen Sellers, who's a six foot four player that they'll put at the two and the three kind of on the wing. Gets just under 18 points per game, four and a half rebounds, 1.6 steals, and he's shooting uh, just a hair under 44% from the field. But he's just shooting in the mid-20s in terms of percentage from three. And against top 100 opponents, again, that's only three games, so still a small sample, he's only two of 13 from three in those games against Ken Palm A and B competition. So hasn't really shot it super well in the big games. Mar, I don't know if it's Marcellus or Marcellus Avery. He is a six foot seven wing who will play the three and the four. He gets 10.5 points per game, almost five rebounds. He's shooting 41% from three, so he's been a real nice player for them. Uh, he's backed up by a few wings who will play the four, and then at the five, they'll use one of their uh, three guys who rotate in. Seven-footer is Ibrahimia Diallo, who's getting about 6.6 rebounds, two blocks per game in limited time. Uh, he's not – you know, none of these guys, I think, for UCF are, are known as, like, huge back-to-the-basket guys. They're more like – lob threats, rim runners, pick and roll guys, and good rebounders, good defenders. Now, there is a difference between one of them. Uh, they have six foot ten Omar Payne and then six foot eleven Thierno Silla. Silla is more of a stretch five. He shoots threes. The other two are more bangers and rim runners and everything. But collectively, that group has been really good for UCF. Those three guys on the season are collectively averaging over 17 points, over 15 rebounds, and over four blocks per game on high efficiency. So it's been a good center position for him so far this season. Let's get into our matchups of the game, our player matchup to watch, and Hawks the sore players we think can stick out for KU in this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. First, we are brought to you by LinkedIn Jobs. At the start of every new year, every small business owner is asking themselves the same question. What's the one move you can make that'll take your business to the next level in this next year, which is the case here in 2024? LinkedIn Jobs knows that your success all depends on the team you surround yourself with, which is why LinkedIn Jobs has created the tools to help you find the right professionals for your team faster 
and for free. 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours with LinkedIn jobs, which is why small businesses rate it number one in delivering quality hires versus leading competitors. LinkedIn also knows that small businesses are wearing so many hats and might not have the time or resources to hire. Thankfully, with LinkedIn, the process is intuitive, quick, and easy. Post your job for free at linkedin.com slash college. That is linkedin.com slash college to post your job for free. Terms and conditions apply. March Madness is right around the corner. If you want to win your office pool, you need to stay caught up with all the college basketball action with the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Every Monday, Andy Patton and Isaac Shade recap the biggest stories in college basketball, keep you up to date on the NCAA tournament bubble, and get you ready for the upcoming week of games. From the Big East to the Mountain West and everywhere in between, Andy and Isaac have college hoops covered on the Locked On College Basketball Podcast. Available on YouTube and wherever you get podcasts. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. On to our matchups of the game. We'll get to our player matchup here with Locked On Jayhawks. Thanks for tuning in to each and every show if you're an everydayer out there. Um, real quick, I, I will mention uh, wife is having a baby, so uh, these episodes might be a little more sporadic, and this could be the last one of the week. I might be back to you next week. We will uh, wait and see on all of that. But for the near term, I'm not ignoring you. Just a newborn baby. All right, matchup number one here. Can Kansas avoid live ball turnovers? So last game, they had 18 turnovers, 16 were steals by TCU. Now, not all of them were just TCU picking KU's pocket. Some of them were steals where KU threw a really dumb pass or threw it away and TCU came up with the steal. But point being, the live ball turnovers are the ones that really kill you. All turnovers are bad, but the live ball ones are the ones that lead to runouts for the other team and easy buckets. And when you're talking about UCF, they're not a very good offensive team, as we've discussed. What's one way you can inflate their offensive numbers? Live ball turnovers that get a fast team in transition and get them easy baskets. The more you put them in the half court for their offense versus your defense, the better off you're going to be. Now, UCF is also in the 96th percentile, according to CBB analytics, in steal rate. And over the last five games, that number for UCF is in the 98th percentile. They get a ton of steals as much or more than basically every team in the country. KU's only in the middle of the pack of the country in avoiding turnovers. That's something they haven't done that well this year. They've been too turnover prone, especially in some key moments, the Marquette game, the TCU game. And Dewan Harris is coming off a career high five turnovers. Can he get that number down? So it's not just about this being a strength on a relative weakness, though, which strength for UCF, relative weakness for the KU offense. This is how UCF conjures up those scoring opportunities. UCF is scoring 19.1 points off turnovers per game. And over the last five games, that number jumps to 20.4 points per game. So they're basically getting 20 points per game off of turnovers. Those rank in the 97th and 99th percentiles, respectively. Basically, they are one of the best teams in the entire country at getting points off of turnovers and turning that into easy baskets, which helps boon their offense a little bit. Think about that. If they weren't getting all those easy points, I mentioned their offense ranks outside the top 180. It might be ranking in the mid 200s, you know? So if you can avoid those live ball turnovers and have a better, like if Kansas has, I don't know, 11 turnovers or less, 12 turnovers or less, I think you feel good about where you're at in this game. Number two, can Kansas heat up UCF and force turnovers the other way? Well, if they're going to be forcing you into turnovers, go get them back. UCF ranks in the 300s 
in steal rate offensively, meaning they're in the bottom quadrant of the country and having the ball stolen from them. You're going to have opportunities to steal the ball. KU only ranks in the 200s in turnover rate defense, but they are closer to being top 100 in steal rate, specifically on defense. So they've been better at stealing the ball. They've been better lately at getting steals, and they have the personnel to do it, even if the numbers don't say that they are what I think they could be in terms of uh, being better at this when you have Dewan Harris and Kevin McCuller looking to kind of pick up some of those numbers. Our third matchup of the game is selection of three-point shots because it's it's very interesting where these two teams get their collection of threes from. UCF shoots a ton of above-the-break threes. Above-the-break threes are basically you know where the curve starts on the three. Basically, right where the curve starts and it's not flat in the corner, you know, if, you, if you're shooting it right, kind of towing those two, it, it goes to a corner three. But basically, once the curve's going around, those are above the break threes. And UCF has taken 239 this year, which is a lot. And they're shooting them at a 33.5% clip. Meanwhile, to, to compare what they've done, 239 threes, 33.5%. They have only taken 14 corner threes. So basically won a game. That that seems impossible with the way that threes are shooting nowadays. They're not taking them at all in the corner. And they're only shooting about 25.5% on mid-range twos. So they haven't been a good mid-range two team for, for what it's worth there. And only 28.6% on those corner threes, just 14 of them. So they like to take above the break threes. They hit them at a higher clip, and they take them at much higher volume. They currently rank in the 96th percentile in the country in above the break threes per game. So they get them up a lot. As we've discussed before, I think this goes back to like the Missouri game, maybe if you're an everyday or you would have heard this. KU has actually been okay at letting teams saying, hey, we'll let you take above the break threes. We're more worried about you taking corner threes because typically corner threes are the higher percentage shot and teams shoot better from there. And typically Kansas has funneled teams to basically trying to take away shots at the rim and corner threes and been more okay with teams taking mid-range shots and above the break threes. But in this game, if they funnel them to taking above the break threes, does that play to the strength of what UCF wants to do offensively? Then on the other end of the ball, UCF defensively has a similar shot chart to what their offense does. They have only allowed teams to take 17 corner threes on the season. And so they've basically said, hey, we're going to prevent teams from taking corner threes. We don't take corner threes. You're not either. Kansas has taken 95 corner threes this season. So UCF has only shot 14 corner threes. They've only allowed opponents to shoot 17 corner threes. But Kansas has taken 95 on the season, and that puts them in the 94th percentile of the country per game. That's based on the style of how UCF plays defensively. They take away those corner threes. And the thing for Kansas is they've shot 40% from the corner in those threes. Um, UCF has given up a ton of above the break threes, 18.8 per game. That is one of the higher marks in the country. Kansas is shooting above the break threes at a first percentile clip, meaning basically there is like no schools, maybe one or two that are, are shooting above the break threes at a lower rate than what Kansas is. Kansas does not take above the break threes. Good news is Kansas has shot the limited ones they've taken at 37%. So they've shot them well in the limited numbers, but they're not used to taking a lot of them. They're used to more so getting corner threes. But in this matchup, it's going to more so be about can you hit the above the break threes and can you defend the above the break threes. Our player matchup here is Hunter Dickinson versus the litany of UCF big men. 
Um, I mentioned over four blocks per game. UCF really good pick or uh, blocking team. I think one way that Hunter Dickinson can maybe exploit things a little bit is can he pick his pop, pick and pop his way to success? So far, Hunter Dickinson is shooting 51% on mid-range twos. That's really good. 41% on in the paint, but not at the rim twos. That's okay. He's at almost 54% on three-point takes. That's very good. So while this could be a tougher matchup inside for him to score on the block and get shots blocked, he should actually be able to get off some pick and pop jump shots, mid-range shots, three-point shots in this game. He went two of three from three against TCU. He went two for three from three against Wichita State. But he's also going to have his hands full defensively because if you're playing athletic bigs, you know he's not the fleetest of foot. They're going to try to beat him down the court. They're going to try to use their speed on maybe a pick and roll or a rim run to get to the rim, and that'll be a very interesting matchup at both ends. And with rebounding, both sides very good at uh, rebounding basketball at the center position coming into this game. All right, we're going to finish up with Hawks the Soar. Jayhawks, we think, can stick out on this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. First, this episode of the show is brought to you by FanDuel Sportsbook. The NFL regular season is wrapping up, but there's still time to get in on the action with FanDuel, America's number one sportsbook. Right now, new customers get $150 in bonus bets guaranteed when you place a $5 bet. That's $150 in bonus bets. Win or lose. The app is so easy to use, and there's so many different ways to bet, like live same-game parlays, find bets in the new Explore tab, make a parlay in the Parlay Hub, and that's an easy way to find popular parlays and more. You can bet on the KU-UCF game. You can get in on KU to make a Final Four, win the national title. You can get in on the Chiefs to win the Super Bowl or win the AFC Championship or pick their game against the Dolphins coming up on Saturday night on Peacock. So visit FanDuel.com slash locked on and make your first bet a layup. FanDuel, official partner of the NFL. Hawks to soar KU players, I think, can stand out. Obviously, I think Hunter Dickinson's going to have an opportunity to shoot some more jump shots in this one. They've been getting him involved in some of those pick and pops with mid-range and the threes anyway. I think KJ Adams has a, a good opportunity here. Now, the one thing with KJ, he's a good driver, gets most of his points around the rim. And with UCF being a good interior defense and shot blocking, that may make it harder on him to score. But I do think given how they play defensively, he is going to get some of those push shot opportunities. So I don't know if this is like a 14, 15 point game from KJ, but I think it's a, a good matchup for him because the worst defender by defensive BPR on Evan Mia side on UCF is their, you know, uh, three slash four man who mostly plays the four who's six foot seven wing, but is lighter in terms of weight. The KJ should be able to push him around. KJ's done a really good job rebounding in the past two games, going for like 21 total rebounds in those games. I think KJ is going to have a big opportunity to hit those push shots, to get a bunch of assists in the middle of the defense, orchestrating things on those short rolls. And we'll be able to take advantage of some things where KU probably, because, you know, you have some shot blockers to UCF, do you try to lift where those shot blockers are by spacing out Hunter Dickinson and getting KJ Adams on a roll to the rim or something like that? I think KJ could certainly have uh, himself a good game. I think Kevin McCuller, just by nature of him being, you know, a good player for you, uh, has to step up because when you look at the road games, the uh, big guys have to step up for you, and I think he uh, will in this one. Uh, that'll do it for this episode of Locked on Jayhawks. Find our show anywhere you get your podcast. Like and subscribe to us on our YouTube page as well. That'll do it for us today. I'll try to be back later this week to recap or preview the Oklahoma game, um, but I don't know with uh, the new baby how all that's going to work out. At the very least, I'll talk to you, I guess, uh, next week with Locked on Jayhawks. Thanks for joining us.